You know, when you give in this offering, we now reach one half, let's see, one third of the world's population with our gospel truth television broadcast on a daily basis. We have one, um, what is it? 2.2 or 2.3 billion people can watch my program on a daily basis. Now, of course, not all those people watch, but it's available and we are expanding and we're reaching people. You're helping us with all of our Bible college. I'm going to do more uh, tonight on this. We've got a virtual tour and I'm going to show you of this new facility that we're building in Woodland Park, Colorado to uh, take care of at least 3,000 students and um, on our local campus. Right now we have about 600 students on our local campus and we have about 2,000 students in our entire system in these uh, extension schools and online and correspondence. So there's about, uh, I don't know, three and a half to one. And if that same ratio holds true, when we get 3,000 students, we'll have well over uh, 10,000 students at any one time going through our Bible college program. And I believe it's going to change the body of Christ. We've already had students graduate and go out. And I mean, they are impacting nations. Entire nations are being impacted. Awesome things are happening. And um, I think that this is really what God has called me to do is to disciple people. We do that to a degree through our television because I teach instead of just preach. And so I teach in sequence and we help people mature. And then all of these materials are ways that people can immerse themselves more. But our Bible school is just a whole nother level. It's just a total saturation. You know, it's similar to when you take a, a sponge that has become dried out and hardened. Did you know you can, you can put that under the water, under a faucet or something for just a moment, and it might get a little bit wet, but it'll still be hard. You could still break the thing. It's not going to be saturated. You can stick it in the water momentarily, but the only way to get that thing really saturated is to just immerse it and hold it there. And it takes time for it to absorb. And this is the way that God made our heart. It's actually for our own protection so that you just don't constantly soak up every single thing you're exposed to. You have to focus on things in order for it to really get on the inside of you. And we found that through the Bible college, we just immerse people in the word for four hours a day, five days a week for either two or three years. And it changes people. And we are seeing lives change. It is supernatural what God is doing. So anyway, that's what your offerings are going towards. And it's making a difference. Let's turn back over to Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. How many of you were not here last night? This is your first service. Wow, a bunch of you. Well, I hadn't got time to go back and re-preach last night, but it was good. It's a little different than the way I normally minister I'm just focusing on one verse and instead of teaching topically all through the scripture, I'm using what happened to the Israelites to uh, make applications to us. And like I said last night, this is where Moses, right before his death, just a day or two before his death, spoke basically all of Deuteronomy. The whole book was spoken right before Moses' death. And he's summarizing what has happened to the Israelites, what God told them to do and the way he dealt with them. And boy, that is super powerful to have somebody that knew the Lord the way that Moses did, had experiences with the Lord that other people 
have never had to have him have access to what he said. Sometimes we take this for granted, but what a blessing this is to be able to have a man that was in the presence of God like this, to write these things down and leave us a record of what he learned about God. It's just tremendous. And uh, the Lord has really been speaking to me through this verse for about two, three weeks. I've been studying uh, this, the book of Deuteronomy, and I keep coming back to Deuteronomy 2.24. And so I just decided that I'm going to share with you some of the things that the Lord was sharing to me. And so last night we dealt with this portion of Deuteronomy 2.24. Rise ye up, take your journey. That's all we covered last night. Let me read the whole verse. It says, rise ye up, take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have given into thy hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon and his land, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. And I was reading this a few weeks ago and these are principles that I've seen before in the word of God, but this verse just brought a lot of things all into one place and really God began to speak a lot of things to me personally. I'm trying not to make this all personal about what God spoke to me because I believe that this applies to every one of us. God has called every one of us to live an absolute victorious Christian life. In our, exa- in our life, this is the land that we're supposed to possess. God didn't bring us out of being lost. That would be equivalent to the Israelites coming out of Egypt so that we could die in the wilderness, so that we could die sick, so that we could die poor, so that we could have problems in our life, so that we could have all of these, the, the things that are typical in the Christian life. I tell you, it just, it re- bothers me the way that Christians come up and they'll tell me a list of 15, 20, 30 different things that are wrong with them. And I just want to grab them and like, why did you let this happen? And most people would respond to me like, well, I didn't do this. I didn't cause this. We just feel like that we have nothing to do with it. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter four, verse seven. It's our passiveness. Most Christians aren't really believing for a victorious Christian life. Again, I talked to a young man this morning and he said he was raised Catholic and he listened to my teaching on God wants you well. He says, I never heard that in my life. I never knew these kind of things. The average Christian is being taught that the only difference between a person who's born again and a person who's not born again is that if we were to die, we don't go to hell. We go to heaven and our salvation starts in heaven. And that is what the typical average Christian is taught. And the rest of us, we should be as sick as our unsaved neighbors. We should be as poor. We should be as stressed out. We should be as worried. We should have all of these problems. That is absolutely wrong. Jesus died to deliver us from this present evil world is what Galatians 1, 4 says. Jesus said, thanks. I think it's 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to live in absolute victory. He didn't bring us out of being lost so that we could just be miserable and saved and stuck. The church that I grew up in used to sing this song about hold the fort for I'm coming. And the song was all about we're under siege and the devil's just beating us to a pulp and 
But if we could just hold on, the Lord's going to come and someday we'll either die and go be with him or he'll come and rapture us out and save us from all of this stuff. That is a terrible attitude. Jesus said, you are this church and I'm building my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That doesn't mean that we're in a defensive battle, just hold up in our church all praying and saying, oh Jesus, come save us from this terrible thing. We ought to be fighting the gates of hell. We ought to be knocking on the gates of hell. Satan ought to be saying, oh Jesus, come and get these people off my case. And yet the average Christian is living a defeated, defeated life. There are many of you that your neighbors would be shocked to find out that you're a believer. They can't see anything different with you. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying it to open up our eyes that we are not possessing what God wanted us to possess. He wants us to be living a victorious life. And most Christians are not doing it. Now, again, this is probably above average crowd because this is Friday morning and you're out listening to a guy speaking at convention center. So you're fanatics. Amen. But even, even among the fanatics that are out on Friday morning, there's still a lot of people that are experiencing sickness, disease, poverty, depression, sadness, sorrow. It is not God's will. So there are direct parallels. These people were brought out of the land of Egypt, but because of their unbelief, they lived a substandard life. For 40 years, they watched all kinds of afflictions that God never intended for them to have. It was not God's will, and yet they suffered. They did without because of their own unbelief. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalms chapter 78, verse 41 says in their heart, they turned back and they limited the Holy One of Israel. God used that verse to change my life in 2002. The second most important encounter I've ever had with the Lord was Psalm 78, 41, and it changed my life. And they limited God. This wasn't God's will for them. And likewise, brothers and sisters, we are living below our privileges. So the Lord finally told them after 40 years, it's time for you to rise up. I really emphasized that last night. You got to do something. Lazy people are never going to see the power of God manifest in their life. Passive people will never see the power of God. You got to resist the devil. If you resist him, he'll flee from you. If that verse be true, then why do you let sickness and disease and poverty and other things come on you? It's one of two things. Either you don't recognize that this is the devil. You're just looking at everything as being organic, physical, natural, and you don't understand that Satan is behind these things. And so you're trying to find a physical answer to a spiritual problem. Or if you know it, you just aren't passive. You're passive and you aren't using what you've got. You've got to stir yourself up and you got to rise up and take your journey. You can't live somebody else's journey. God has a specific purpose for every single person. You got to find out what it is and pursue the will of God for you. And let me just say this, you will never accidentally fulfill God's will for your life. It doesn't happen sovereignly. God doesn't automatically make your life work out. If you believe that, you got a skewed impression of God to look around and think that the way people are living is the way God wants them to live. Things do not automatically work out. You have to pursue the things of God. If you don't pursue it, 
you won't get it. You have to pursue the things of God. You've got to find out what his purpose for your life is and you've got to do something. So that's what we've talked about. Rise up, stir yourself up, do something. Make a decision that I'm not going to be the way I am now next year. I'm changing. I'm rising up. I'm going to find God's will for my life and you pursue it. And I gave an invitation last night and asked people that felt like that they hadn't really fulfilled God's purpose. Of course, none of us have totally fulfilled it, but I mean, they aren't in the process. They don't know what God's purpose for their life is. And they needed to just make a commitment that they were going to rise up and find out what God's will for them is. And I tell you, I don't know, but 90% of the congregation stood up last night. If people understood my invitation properly, that is quite an indictment about we're just stumbling through life, hoping that what we're doing is pleasing to God, but not with any assurance. You aren't pursuing it. And I can tell you, you will never accidentally fulfill God's will. It has to be done on purpose, deliberate with a lot of effort. Amen. Some of you are just kind of uh, indifferent towards that statement, but I'm telling you, it's true. You ought to, that should have been an amen. amen. So rise up, take your journey, and then look at this. Here's the third thing he said to do, and pass over the river Arnon. Now, some of you, that's not one of your favorite scriptures. Probably most of you don't have that written on a card or on your mirror someplace, <laughs> stuck on your fridge. But you know what this means? First of all, you stir yourself up. You find out what God's will for your life is. And then he told them in their case, pass over this river Arnon. You know what that was? That was the border of Sihon's kingdom. In other words, enter into enemy territory. You know, I just read a book about the civil war and I don't remember all of the details, the the exact location and all this, but I do remember that as the North and the South were fighting, that for weeks they stayed one on one side of the river and one on the other side of the river and neither one was wanting to invade and enter into the other person's territory because the moment you pass that river, you cut off your retreat and you are committed and you could be in a battle and there would be no retreat out of it. You are at a disadvantage the moment you have this river to your back because it slows your retreat. You could be literally wiped out. And for weeks, they just sparred back and forth across this river because once you enter across that river, you are committed. You have engaged, you have committed yourself. There's no outflanking the other person. And this is what this is talking about. He's telling Moses, he says, I have given, the next phrase is behold, I have given Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon into your hand. And so the purpose of crossing this river was to invade this king's land and to enter into a battle and to engage him in battle and to cross that river. Here's another thought. Did you know they had been in the desert for 40 years, 40 years before they'd crossed the Red Sea, but in the desert, they weren't used to crossing rivers. This was something new to them. All they'd been doing is going around the mountain for 40 years and just moving around this mountain. They hadn't crossed rivers. They weren't adept at this. This was something brand new for them. It just amazes me how people are so resistant to change. They are afraid to change and yet they don't like where they are. You can talk to some people and say, how are you? I'm miserable. And yet they're afraid to change. 
I just don't relate to that. I actually went into a hospital room one time and was going to pray for a guy who was sitting in a wheelchair. And I forget what was wrong with him, but he was confined to a wheelchair. He had crutches with him. And I started telling him it was God's will for him to be well. And he said, oh no, God made me sick. God did this to me. And I said, God didn't make you sick. It's not God's will for you to be sick and in a wheelchair. And he said, oh yes, it is. And he was using that as a defense mechanism to basically justify where he was, that this is God's will for me. And I finally told him, I said, well, if this is God's will for you, what are you doing in the hospital trying to get out of God's will? Why don't you let God's will just have its full measure? If you really believe God made you sick and did this, why would you be here trying to get out of God's will? And you know, this guy got so mad that he started yelling at me and he took a crutch and he chased me out of the hospital down a corridor, swinging a crutch at me in his wheelchair and chased me out of there. I know some of you are wondering, did that really happen? That really happened. You go into a hospital and start telling people that God wants you well and people will fight you because they believe God is doing this for some purpose. I actually went into an emergency room. The, the family took me into an emergency room one time and there was a man who was on his last breath. He died that day. He was in intensive care and normally they wouldn't have let you in, but the family brought me in to intensive care. This guy had doctors all over him working feverishly and he had a heart monitor up there. And this guy looked like he was in a coma or something, but he was awake and I started talking to him and I told him, I said, God wants you well. And God sent me here and I'm going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. And he said, if it's God's will, I said, it is God's will. I said, you got to believe this is God's will. And he says, well, God doesn't heal everybody. And I said, oh yes, he does. God wants you well. And this guy started getting upset. God made me this way. And I tried to be nice to him, but he just was adamant. And finally I used the same thought. Well, then why are you doing all of this to try and stop God's will from coming to pass? And this guy was on his last breath. He got up on his elbow and was yelling at me. You're of the devil. And he got so mad, his, you could see his heart rate over there just going boing, 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 boing like this. And the doctors grabbed me and threw me out and security escorted me out of the hospital because I tried to tell somebody God wanted them well. There's a lot of people that will sit here and they will say things like, oh yes, I believe God wants me to prosper and I believe God has more for my life. But you know what? They'll just... They'll mouth these things, but they won't commit themselves to it. For you to really see the power of God work in your life, you're going to have to become a little bit more aggressive than that. And this is what he's telling Moses. He says, all right, rise up. Here's my will for you. This is the journey. I want you to possess Sihon's land. And he says, cross this river and enter into enemy territory. Man, commit yourself. Put yourself in a position where if God doesn't come through, I'm in trouble. Anybody can spout about whatever you want to say as long as you aren't in enemy territory. I don't know how many of you have ever been in battle, but I was drafted and sent to Vietnam. It's one thing to say all of these things over here, 
but you go into battle. You leave your compound and you go out into the bush where the enemy is. And I guarantee you it's a whole new ball game. There's lots of people that would say all kinds of things in the safety of the rear area, but you go out into the bush and you enter into a brand new level of combat and awareness. And you know what? There's a lot of people that will sit here and spout things, but will they really take a stand? Will they enter into a place? Will they cross that line that puts them into a position where I've got to have a miracle? And this is what the Lord is telling Moses to do. And I believe that there is direct application to us. You got to stir yourself up. You got to start believing for something more. You got to find out what God's will for your life is. And then once you get those two things, you got to start moving on it in a way that puts you in the harm's way, that puts you in a position where you could lose everything if what you feel God is telling you isn't true. And boy, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where a lot of people miss it. They will sit there and talk about, oh, I'm believing God for this and that. But when push comes to shove, they won't do anything that potentially might not work. They want everything proven before they're going to take any risk. He told Moses, he says, cross over this border. Put yourself in the harm's way. Put yourself in a situation where the battle is on and you have no way out. And you know what? That's the reason that they saw victory. This is the exact reason that so many people do not see victory is because they're praying for it, but they won't take a step of faith. They won't do anything. They won't enter into a position where it might cost them something. You know, I could go back to the offering and use this exact principle when it comes to finances. There's people who say, oh, I want to give. I promise you, I want to give. If the Lord blesses me, if I ever get to where I have any extra, I promise you I'm going to give. What you're saying is you'll give when you don't have to trust the promises that God will give it back to you and you don't need it. So that if the word doesn't work and if it doesn't come back, you'll be able to make it anyway. But you aren't willing to enter into a position to where... God's word says that if I give, it will be given unto me. And so I'm not just going to mouth it. I'm going to do it. And you put yourself, you give money that you need in order to be able to pay your bills and to meet your obligations. And you put first the kingdom of God, not last after you get everything you want taken care of, after your cable is paid and your 550 channels of entertainment is paid. And after you get everything you want taken care of, then you're going to give if there's anything left over. You know what? That's not taking much of a stand. You got to take a stand. You got to do something and say, Father, your word is true and I'm going to believe you. And I'm not, I'm going to enter into a place to where, man, I am now uh, with no retreat. God's got to come through or I'm dead in the water. And people are afraid to do that. And again, it doesn't really make sense to me because they're miserable where they are. And so they got a chance if they believe God, things could get better. But they're afraid to do that because there's a chance it might not work. So they would rather stay sick. They would rather stay miserable with the security. They've adjusted to that than to run the risk of believing God. That doesn't commute, compute, excuse me. That doesn't make sense. 
we need to get to a place where, praise God, we are going to cross this barrier, a point of no return. You burn your bridges behind you. There is no plan B or plan C. This is something that Jamie and I have done from day one, and we haven't done it perfectly. I, I personally have made a lot of mistakes. Not Jamie, it was me. I've made a lot of mistakes, but you know what? We were committed. There was no plan B or plan C, because I can guarantee you if there would have been a plan B or C, we would have taken it. <laughs> and the, it's like the devil knows this. He knows if you are truly committed, if you're just going to try it, if you're going to try healing, and just see if it works. You're going to give God two, three days. And if everything just works out fine, but if it doesn't praise God, I can still go back and do this. I can still do all of these things. You know what? It's like the devil knows where your breaking point is. And if he can see that there is any quit in you, he will fight you more. But when you just make a decision and you cross that river, you cross over into a place that there's no retreat. It's either win or die. And you make that kind of a commitment. You burn your bridges behind you. Then you know what? Uh, The devil can see that in you. And he knows he has already been beaten. And the only reason he'll stand and fight is if he thinks that there's a chance of you quitting. Once you make a decision that this is over, I'm committed. I'm going to die here if I have to, but I will not change. That's when you start seeing the supernatural power of God manifest. Boy, this is a powerful truth right here. This is something that the Lord has spoken to me. I don't know if you've ever heard the expression about just drive a stake in the ground and make your stand there. You know what that's talking about? I used that one time in one of my messages and a guy came up who had researched, he was a Indian and he had researched their history. And this is what the Indians used to do in a fight when it looked like that they were going to be overwhelmed and the tendency was to cut and run, they would literally drive a stake in the ground and tie a rope around their ankle and anchor themselves to the ground so that they couldn't run. They had to stand and fight until the death. And that's where that saying comes from. Drive a stake in the ground and just take a stand. That's the way that you need to do. You need to find out what God's will for your life is. And I don't care if it's easy or if it's hard, but I have made a commitment. You start moving in that direction. You cross barriers that in the natural would be a hindrance to most people doing it. And you just say, nope, I'm going to do what God told me to do. And if it costs me my life, if I lose my home, if I lose whatever, I don't care if I, you know, I have people come to me all the time. What are people going to think? Are you only going to serve God if it's public opinion, if it goes with it? Moses would have never got the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt if he had taken a vote on the thing. They would have gone back to Egypt. Public opinion is never going to go the way of God. You're just going to have to make a decision that, you know what, I don't care if this hair lips the devil. This is what God told me to do. And in the name of Jesus, I will do this. And you take a stand. And brothers and sisters, I'm saying this in love, but this is not an attitude that is actually encouraged or embraced today. This is considered to be politically incorrect. You can't be absolute. You can't be sure about anything. And that kind of attitude will keep you in defeat. You're going to have to make some decisions. The scripture says that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. You need to find out what God's will is and then go that direction. And if you die, believe in God. So be it. 
Here's a lot of people. I'd never make that kind of a decision. Obviously. (laughs) You've never taken that kind of stand on anything. And that's the reason that, and again, I'm not saying this to criticize, but that's the reason that 90% of the people didn't know for certain what God's will is and whether they had really just made that absolute commitment. Most people are doing, you're kind of like water that seeks the lowest level. Whatever the least resistance is. Here's what you really have in your heart. You'd really like to do this, but you know, that may not be the easiest thing to do. And most people just take the easiest path. I've got a relative right now that just got laid off work and is looking for something to do. And his heart is to open up a a shop. He's a a great mechanic and just work on cars and build uh, specialty cars and do this. But you know what? That would run risk. Is he for sure that he could do it? And I told him, I said, go for it. This is what's in your heart. It's what you've always wanted to do. I said, man, you're, he's 66 years old. I said, go for it. Just do it. But he's afraid that, you know, there might be a risk. And so he'd rather sit there and just do nothing. That's not good. That's not the attitude that I believe God wants us to have. Some of you have things in your heart. You know, I I had a student come to me a couple of years ago and they said, man, I'm nearly graduated second year and I still don't know what God wants me to do. And they said, what am I going to do when I graduate? I don't have any direction. I said, oh, you got direction. They said, no, I don't have any direction. So I just started asking them questions. I said, so do you see yourself ministering in the United States and they, they knew for sure that they were called to some type of ministry. They just didn't have any specific. I said, do you see yourself ministering in the United States or overseas or something? They said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, what's in your heart? And they said, well, it would, I just don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to minister like that. I see myself like ministering to people of a different color and in some third world country and doing things. And says, that's what's really in my heart. And I said, you got vision. They said, that's vision. I said, yeah, that's what's in your heart. And I said, do you see yourself being an evangelist or do you want to teach people or, or help them and just come alongside and minister to them? And they said, oh, I'm not one of these that just want to go in and just proclaim the gospel and then leave. I want to stay with people and get them established. I see me becoming best friends with these people, spending the rest of my life. And I said, you've got vision. And did you know, I just started asking them questions. And by the time we got through, they knew nearly to the letter exactly what country to go to, what town to go to. They had all of these things in their heart, but they just dismissed it as, well, that's just me. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 37, or excuse me, Is it Psalms 37, four? I think it is. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he will give you anything you want because some of you would want a new mate. Some of you want your neighbor's house. Some of you want things that aren't godly. This isn't saying that God just gives you anything you want. This says when you delight yourself in the Lord, which I could spend a lot more time qualifying that, but when your delight, when your heart is set upon God and you love God with all of your heart, God puts his desires in your heart. He starts giving you desires of your heart. And this is how God leads you. He leads you through desires. 
Now you can't totally trust desires because you could have ungodly desires. So what you do, you take the desires and you match it up with the word of God. Does this conform to the world word? Is this selfish? Is this all about me? Or is this a godly motivation? You know, when I started on television, I've known for uh, decades that I would eventually be on television. I've been on a lot of other people's television programs. And I mean, people were just amazed and said, you don't, you aren't intimidated by the television. You like it says it just goes good. Uh, I've had big response. I just knew it was a fit and that someday I'd be on television, but you know what? I didn't ever want to be on television because I've seen how expensive it was and how it could destroy a ministry. And I just knew that this is like walking through a minefield. This could completely undo the three decades worth of ministry I had in one month. I could be broke. I, it, I just saw all kinds of problems. And so even though I knew that that was in my future, I wasn't excited about it. I didn't want it. And I had people offer me free airtime. People were going to buy me television equipment and everything. And I told them, said, nope, not now. It wasn't for me. And then in 1998, in one week's time, all of a sudden, it just changed. I absolutely changed. I got so excited about being on television. I couldn't sleep at night. I sat up and draw pictures of what our set was going to look like. And I saw myself ministering on TV and I knew exactly that I wasn't going to be up in a three-piece suit standing behind a pulpit and ministering the way every program I'd seen up to that time. As far as I know, our program was the very first program on television, Christian program that just sat there with one camera, me looking at it, talking directly to you. It was completely off the charts from any other program I'd ever seen, but I saw it and I wanted it. And you know what? God, I didn't hear an audible voice say, go on television. But my desire changed so radically, so contrary to what I'd been for 20 years, that it was such a dramatic change. I prayed about it. God confirmed it through a couple of people that I trusted and I headed in that direction. And you know how it happened? It was what I wanted to do. That's how God spoke to me. When we started our Bible college, I'd had people ask me to start a Bible college before says, man, we would love to just sit under this and be saturated, start a Bible school. And I told them, no way am I ever starting a Bible school because I'd seen people that came out of Bible schools and I saw what a mess they were. And I didn't want my name associated with that. And I was never going to have a Bible school. And I mean, in probably, in probably two hours time, in um, England, my heart just flip-flopped, totally changed. And all of a sudden I saw a way of doing a Bible school different than just intellectual, where it actually impacted people on a heart level. It was mentoring, discipling instead of just instruction. And I saw it and I mean, within moments, I had to have a Bible school. It was such a radical change. I knew that this wasn't me. I knew it wasn't natural. This was God. This is how God speaks to you. There are some of you that have desires in your heart that are completely opposite the way your life is going. And you're praying and asking God for something different. And yet you're afraid to cross that river, to make a commitment, to step out of your comfort zone, to run a risk. And you're never going to get there. 
just like God told Moses, all right, rise up, take your journey and pass over this obstacle. Commit yourself a point of no return. Enter into enemy territory and put yourself on the spot to where you've got to engage the enemy. That's exactly what God is saying to many of us today is that you need to do something that puts yourself out there and you need to go to believing God and not be afraid of failure. You know, from my perspective, you know what failure is? Is a person that has something in their heart that they aren't acting on. That's failure. It's not failure to go out and believe God for something and try and fail. Peter did that. Peter blew it big time. And you know what? He was able to recover and became one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. And God used him big time. Man, every person that God, Moses is a guy that went out and killed a man thinking that that was the way God's will was going to come to pass. It's a lot easier to deal with mistakes than it is to deal with fear of ever getting out of the boat and doing something. Anybody can make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes and God has still blessed me and God is still using me and good things are happening in my life. God, you don't have to be perfect. God's never had anybody qualified working for him yet. You aren't going to be the first person. You will make mistakes, but you need to get to a place of stirring yourself up and saying, I'm not going to be the same. Finding out what God's will is and then moving in that direction and taking some steps that put you at risk. You got to enter into enemy territory. You got to get out of your comfort zone, get out of something that's safe and go out and do something. You know, this building that we currently are in, we moved from a 14,600 square foot building into a 110,000 square foot warehouse. That's a huge step. The utilities were five or six times as much money on this new building as my entire payments on the old building were. It was just astronomical. It was not even comparable. Uh, anyways, long, long story, but we took out a loan to buy the thing, but then we had to spend $3.2 million to finish out this warehouse and get it to where we could use it for our Bible college and ministry. And so when we took out a loan for the building, uh, the person that gave us this loan said, well, you know, the construction loan for this is just a part of it. We wouldn't have let you buy the building if we didn't think you could fix it up and use it. So the construction loans a formality. He said, you'll have that money within a, mo- a week or so. Well, nine months later, we still didn't have the money. And every week they were telling us next week, next week, next week. And finally, after nine months, the, the banker just said, you know what? It's been now a year since we had an appraisal done on that and things have changed. We need to get a new appraisal. Let's just start the whole process over. And when he said that, all I could see was another nine months or two years or whatever. And our Bible college was literally being choked to death. We didn't have room for it. We had to get something done. And so I just told him, I said, man, let me pray about it. And I started praying long, long story, but the Lord spoke to me that I wasn't to go in debt, that my partners were my bank and that he was going to do that debt free. And did you know at the time, I forget our exact figures, but I did figure out that at the rate money was coming in and the rate we had been able to save money, 
that it would take us something like a hundred plus years at the rate that money was coming in to do this debt free. And plus we had just doubled our television bill, doubled it, which that in itself, it would have taken a miracle for the money to come in and supply our television expansion, much less do all this $3.2 million worth of expansion. But God, I felt like spoke to me that this is my will for you. This is my journey for you. So I rose up. I decided that that was God's will. And I made some decisions and I walked in and talked to David and I said, God told me to do this debt free. I'm not going to take out a loan. And you know what? The scripture again says a godly man, a righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. I said, if they come tomorrow, and offer me all of the money that I need for this thing. Because we had put feelers out to different places. And I said, if they come and offer me all the money we need, I said, I'm not taking it. God told me to do it debt free. And I just drew a line in the sand and crossed that line. And did you know if God didn't come through, it would have been the end of our ministry. We, or it would have been the end of our Bible college for sure, because we would have never have been able to grow the way that we did in that little tiny building we were in. And I just made a decision and I said, that's it. No compromise. And did you know the very next day, a bank that we'd put feelers out to said, you don't need 3.2 million. We figured it's probably going to be closer to 4 million and we've approved you $4 million. Come in, sign the papers. You got it. I said, you're a day late. Said, we aren't going to do it. And did you know, not only did we pay for that expansion of our television and all of these things. Our, in, our expenses doubled without the building, but we not only absorbed all of that, but we in 14 months brought in $3.2 million, finished all of that out and moved in in 14 months, which was a lot better than a hundred years. <laughs> Amen. And you know what? And people wonder about, well, that would have happened anyway. I'd been struggling with this for nearly two years and it hadn't happened yet. And they were wanting to just delay. And as soon as I made my decision and crossed the line in the sand, I mean, nearly instantly, we started seeing miracles happen. I'm t- I don't know how to say this. I don't have the words to describe it, but I'm telling you, there's more to this life than physical stuff. There is spiritual things going on. And when you waver spiritually, it says in James chapter one, it says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. That means he doesn't rebuke you or chastise you, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, what a powerful scripture. If you are double-minded, you know what that means? One day I'm going to do this. The next day, oh, well, circumstances, I don't think I can do that. I'm going to do this. If you aren't committed, if you are double-minded, if you got two different minds, you will not receive anything of the Lord. You are unstable in all of your ways. And this describes the way most people are. They're just playing it safe. They're saying, God, if this is you, well, then just make everything work out and you try it. And if it works, well then great. But if there's any resistance, well, this must not have been God. That is terrible theology. 
Paul, when he saw this man saying, come over into Macedonia, 16th chapter of the book of Acts, come over into Macedonia and help us. He knew that that was God's will for him. So he rose up in the morning and headed straight for Macedonia. Within 48 hours, he was beaten and in prison in the stocks. And most people would say, I must've missed God. No, Paul said, there's a great door open to us, but there are many adversaries. I don't believe that you can use circumstances to decide, is it God's will or isn't it God's will? That is a terrible way to discern God's will. But if you were going to use circumstances, it's actually more accurate, closer to the truth that if everything is going against you, then that must be God. Because when you make a decision for the Lord and when you stand up and start doing something, I guarantee you, you draw all of the demons in that county towards you. They're going to try and come against you. They come immediately to steal, kill and destroy and to steal away the word. And man, I have all kinds of opposition and reasons why I can't do what I'm doing. That doesn't mean that God's against me. God doesn't control all of these circumstances. I, again, I don't, ba- I don't make decisions based on circumstances. But I can tell you that more often than not, when I make a decision, all of the circumstances look contrary. Just like this loan I was talking about. I made a decision. I will not take a loan. Even if somebody offers it to me the next day, they offer me 4 million, 8.8 million more than I asked for. Most people are thinking, Oh, I missed God. I guess uh, this is the way I should go. You double-minded. You won't receive. But you know, when I made that decision and I stuck to it, nearly immediately our partners started responding. And I'd let them know before, but it was then when I made this decision is when the finances started flowing in and things began to work. There's things in the spiritual realm that you can't see and you've got to become committed to something. You got to cross that line, cross that river, enter into enemy territory and say, this is what God told me to do. And I will not give, I will not bow. I'm not going to bend. This is God's will, hell or high water. I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord. And when you get that kind of a determination is when you see God's power start manifesting. Prior to that time, you aren't committed. Amen? This is good, what I'm saying. It'll help you. May not like it, but it's good. It's good for you. I tell you, this is is powerful. And this is why so few people see the power of God because they're just afraid to launch out. They're afraid to do something. They're afraid of what are the consequences. I had a guy come to me from Chicago and he says, God told me to come to Karis Bible College. But he says, my parents have never heard of you. They think that you're terrible. So they went to the pastor of the church and the pastor of the church says, oh, he's a cult. That guy's of the devil. And he says, and I'm going to lose my job if I come to Bible college. And I've got a girl that I'm engaged to. And she says, if you go to that school, I don't want anything to do with you. And he just went on and on and on with all of the complications and stuff. And he says, so what do you think? And I said, you lost me the moment God said he told you to go to Karis Bible College. I said, if God told you to go to Karis Bible College, who cares what the pastor has to say, your parents has to say, your fiance has to say, your boss has to say. And most people are just, well, I'd never do that. Obviously. 
That's the reason you're stuck in a rut. If God Almighty, who's got a universe to run and billions of people to talk to and lots of things to do other than just talk to you, if God Almighty talks to you and tells you something, then you're going to debate whether or not you do it based on how things are working out. That is inconsistent. If I know that God told me to do something, I'll do it. I don't care what happens to anybody. I don't care what the consequences are. If God tells me to do it, I will do it. Man, what a privilege to have God Almighty speak to you and give you a purpose and a direction for your life. And then you're going to look at circumstances and only do it if it's easy. That's pitiful. Boy, how disrespectful to God that is. Man, that is the wrong attitude. I tell you, if God has put something in your heart, you ought to do it. You ought to be giving it everything you've got and not be satisfied with anything less. The reason that most people are living a substandard Christian life is because they're content with it. As long as you're content with substandard Christian living, you will live a substandard life. But when you reach a place to where I'm not going to live like this anymore, this is what God said. And you know what? Regardless of the consequences, regardless of what this costs me, regardless if I lose friends or whatever, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Jamie and I have lost some of our very best friends, people that were closer to us than anybody because we took a stand and they didn't agree with us. And you know what? We just decided we were going to go on with God. And you know what? We've lost friends and it's cost us some things, but we've got back a lot of friends. I've got millions of people all around the world that love me. And so you, God will give it back to you. It'll come back. You know, just for time's sake, I've got to quit. But for time's sake, let me just refer to 1 Kings chapter 17. And real quickly, I just want to summarize what happened with Elijah In uh, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The word of the Lord came unto Elijah, and he rose up and went to Ahab and said, Thus saith the Lord, it's not going to rain on the earth for years until I say so. He had a word from God. He had direction. He rose up. He didn't stay in his house and just have God speak to him, but then not act on it. He rose up, he took his journey, he went to the king. And if you don't know the uh, context of this, this king Ahab and his wife Jezebel were very ungodly people and they had outlawed the worship of God in the nation of Israel. They had turned it over to Baal worship and they were feeding 850 prophets who were prophets of the grove and of Baal at at uh, state expense. It was the state sponsored religion and they had outlawed the worship of the true God and um, had been killing the prophets of God. And Elijah got a word from God to go tell the king, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now think about his situation. Think about what the consequences could be to walk up to the king and say, thus saith the Lord, the Lord that you've outlawed, the Lord that if anybody claims his name, you kill him. <laughs> and you go up and say, thus saith the Lord. And you deliver a message. Did you know very few people today would have done what Elijah did because they would have thought about what would this cost me? I could be killed. 
He could put me in prison. Something could happen. Most of us are more concerned about ourselves than we are about the Lord and about what he tells us to do. And that's the reason that we're stuck in the little secure rut that we're in. But he put his life on the line and went and spoke to the king and delivered the message boldly. And then in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse two, it says, and the word of the Lord came unto Elijah saying, and then verse three, he told him to go to this brook Cherith and hide yourself there because I have commanded the ravens, verse four, to feed you there. Boy, this changed my life. I've got a teaching on this from Lessons from Elijah and it's entitled A Place Called There. God said, I have sent the ravens to feed you there where he sent him, not where he was. He didn't send the food to Elijah. He sent the food to where he told Elijah to go. There are so many people that they have a leading from the Lord. They may have a desire to open up a business or to do something or to become a missionary or a minister or to do something. And they have these desires, but they think, how's it going to happen? And they're praying and asking God to send all the provision. And only if they get every question answered and everything worked out, when you supply the need, then God, I'm going. The provision isn't where you are. It's there where God told you to be. He doesn't send the provision to you. He sends the provision to where he told you to go. It's like a quarterback doesn't throw the ball to where the receiver is. He throws the ball to where the receiver is going to be. You have to lead it. You have to throw it over there. God is going to send your provision to where he told you to go. You know, if I would have stayed in that little 14,000 square foot building and not have taken the limits off God and started believing for something big because I was afraid that this is, did you realize God that this is gonna make my expenses go up five times? As if God doesn't understand. (laughs) If I would have talked to him about this and all of this, you know what? God would have still loved me and I could have been in that little 14,000 square foot building and we could have been impacting 100 people in our Bible college And we could have been on 1% of the television in the United States. That's where we were at that time. And I could have been covering 1% of the population. And I could have done that. God would have loved me and I would have gone to heaven and I would have been blessed. And there would have been people's lives who would have been changed. But you know what? I'd a lot rather be where I am today, where we're reaching one third of the world's population and we're impacting people and changing nations. But there was risk associated with that. But when I stepped out, did you know what? Back then we were making it and we were doing okay, but it was a struggle and it was close and we were tight, but we were making it. Now our income, our expenses, I forget what our, I know that our income, I think when David came on, on board at uh, 2003, We had the largest month we had ever had, which was 200 and something thousand dollars. And we were just thrilled with that. Now we get over $2 million a month just to pay our bills. Our expenses increased dramatically, but you know what? We have more percentage extra over in the bank that we're using than we did back when I was small. 
the percentage is much, much better. And so some people think, well, look at the possibility of risk. Look at the possibility of blessing. My provision was there following God and I am being provided better for now when my expenses are a hundred times greater than I was back when they were less because this is my place called there. Every person has a place called there. And if you're struggling and if you aren't seeing provision come in, it's because you aren't all there. You're too much here. When you get there, you'll find out that the provision is there supernaturally. God will meet your needs supernaturally, but you got to cross that river. You got to cross this line. You got to get into a place to where God, I'm, I'm willing to risk it all. You know, I don't know exactly all the reasons for this, but that's just the way that God is. God is a God of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. God is a risk taker. God loves to just be out there. I've gotten more and more like that, that I get bored when everything is running smooth. I like it when there's some big thing out there. Right now, we're believing God for $45 million extra to build this CBC campus that is going to transform the world. And you know what? In the natural, I figured out the other day at the rate the money is coming in, I would be 89 point something years old when that much money comes in. But it's not going to take that long because you know what? I've drawn a line in the sand. I've stepped over it. I've made a commitment. Things are beginning to happen and we're beginning to see supernatural provision and we will accomplish the goal. I love it. It's stoked. I get stoked on it. It's exciting to me. It makes my adrenaline flow. But you know what I don't like is just same old, same old safe. I don't like it. I like being out there on the limb. I like being out there trusting God. Amen. And I don't think that's just a personality trait. I think that's getting to know God and becoming like God. God, he's a big God and we're acting like he's a little God and we're imposing on him and we're maxing it out. I had a guy come to me one time and he says, I've got pain in my neck that is just terrible. And it goes down my back and it, and I've got hip problems and it goes into my sciatic and I've got neuropathy. And he just started naming things from his head to his toes. And he says, I've got all of these problems. And he says, but the neck is the thing that's really bad. If I could just get the neck healed, I could live with the rest of it. And I said, oh, I understand. If we asked God to heal you from head to toe, all of these things all at one time, the lights in heaven might dim. I'm not sure God's got enough power to do this all at once. Maybe we ought to just get one little thing healed. And this guy looked at me and he says, boy, that was stupid what I said. What? I said, that was real stupid. He said, I think God can heal them all. And I said, I do too. And he got healed from head to toe. But see... This is the way we approach God. Oh God, I need a thousand dollars to do that. No God, I'm not sure the lights in heaven might dim. I'm not sure if you can pull this off. Well, you serve a big God. You need to go to believing for something big. Most people, what they want is not something that is really supernatural. They want something that is natural. They can only believe for something that is natural. It could happen in the natural. You just need God to make all of everything work together and fit right. You're going to go ahead and get healed 
through the doctors, through the medicine, through the surgery, which again, I'm not against this stuff. You're going to go ahead and get your money through the bank, which again, I'm not saying that you're of the devil if you get along, but most people aren't really wanting something supernatural. They're wanting something that's natural that just works good. But to get out there to where it really takes God, most people don't even desire that. But I tell you what, that's the way that we ought to be living. We serve such a big God. We ought to believe for something big. You ought to believe for something that is beyond your natural ability, something that you can't do on your own. If you can do it on your own, I doubt that it's God. God will call you to do something that is beyond your ability to make you absolutely dependent upon him. He delights in that. He wants you to get beyond yourself so that you'll say, oh God, I need you. And he says, good, amen. That's what I was waiting for. If everything in your life can be explained away by your power and your ability and your great job and your talents, and and if it's all you that did it, then you aren't living in the blessing of God. I can't explain to you. You know, my mother, right before she died, she died in 2009. She was 96 years old and she was really weak. And she was just asking me to tell her what was going on and how people's lives were being changed. And I was telling her about all the things worldwide and she was so blessed. And she said, Andy, you know, this is God. And I said, yes, mother, I know this is God. And then she stuck her little bony finger right in my face. And she says, you aren't smart enough to make this happen. (laughs) And I said, you're right. Amen. And I tell you what, you cannot explain what God is doing in this ministry by my charisma, by my great intellect, by my great talents and abilities, by my smooth, polished deal, by the way that I dress. You know what? There is just no explanation other than God. People look at me and they see what God is doing and they say, this has got to be God. (laughs) If you can explain everything in your life away through your great power, you haven't experienced God's supernatural will for your life yet. God wants to do something in your life that brings him the glory and not you the glory. He wants to do something supernatural. Man, I just encourage you to cross over that river, Arnon. Enter into enemy territory. Put your back up against the wall to where if God doesn't come through, you're dead. That's a great place to live. (laughs) I've been there many a time and I love it. It's just a great place to be. Amen. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a single person saying, I wished I'd have played it safer. There'll be people saying, you know what? I wished I'd have gone for it. I wished I'd have believed God. I wished I'd have crossed over. I wished I'd have entered into enemy territory. Man, we only got one life to live and the clock is ticking and you're burning daylight. We need to be moving in the direction that God has for us. And if you shoot at the stars and only hit the moon, that's still more than you would have ever done If you hadn't have done something like that, we got to shoot for something. 
You know, I'm right now, like I said, believing God for all this stuff, but I have to face the consequences. I'm 62. And if things did wait until I was 89 before all the money came in, you know what? I may not be here, but I don't care. I would rather be following the will of God for my life and doing what God told me to do and only get a portion of it done than to do nothing because I'm afraid that this might not work. And I tell you, when I enter into heaven, I believe that the Lord would sit there and say, well done. You may, maybe you didn't accomplish it. Moses didn't fulfill everything. He had to raise up somebody to replace him, Joshua. And Joshua actually fulfilled what God wanted Moses to do. But look what God accomplished through Moses. Here we are 4,000 years later talking about this man and all the things that happened. And he didn't even fulfill all of God's will for his life. I'm not sure that anybody ever fulfills what God wants them to do. You just do what you can do. You do the best you can do. You trust God and believe God. And I tell you, that is success, is following God. Not necessarily whether you get every single thing done and whether you do it perfectly. I'm encouraging you to cross over the river, burn your bridges behind you, make a decision and do something that I'm never retreating from this. A righteous person will swear to their own hurt and change not. I've made a decision and I will not go back. I'm not going to change. I'm going to do what God told me to do or die trying. That's a good attitude. And I believe that God can use that. And you've got to have that kind of an attitude to start seeing the supernatural power of God. When you do that, something happens in the spiritual realm. You release the power of God. The angels of God go to working for you. The devil gets bound up. You need to do it. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray over every person in here today that Father, you take these words that we've spoken and that you help people to make a decision, especially those who already know in their heart, they already have direction and desires from you and they're afraid to act on it. They're waiting until you make all of the provision here instead of there. And they're only going to step out when there's no risk, when there's no chance that they could miss it. Father, I pray especially for those people that you would help them today to take a step of faith and to trust you and to head in the right direction even before they see everything come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I believe that the Lord is ministering to people right now. And like I was praying for those of you who already have direction, you know something that God is leading you to do, but you aren't doing it because of circumstances, because of maybe other people or whatever your reason is, you aren't doing it. Now there's people in here that don't know exactly what God wants you to do. That's a separate case, but I'm talking to people who already No, God has led you to head in a direction and you aren't doing it because of circumstances. You need to repent of that. You need to make a decision today and say, I'm going to cross over this line. I'm going to cross over this river today. I'm making a decision and I don't know how I'll get there. I don't know what the consequences will be. But today I'm making a decision and I will not go back on it. If that's you and if you'd like to repent and just say, I'm making that commitment, I want you to stand right where you are and I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that this is going to set you free and you're going to start seeing the power of God manifest in your life. Thank you, Jesus. 
still got people getting up slowly. It's like you're thinking about it. You need to be sincere. You need to make this commitment. I'm, I'm wanting you to be sincere about it, not to do it flippantly. Just stand up because somebody else has stood up. I know it's short notice to make a major decision, but you gotta you got to respond while God's knocking at your door. If God has touched you today, if you were listening to me saying, boy, that's me, I need to respond to this. You need to respond while the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. I can guarantee you when you leave this auditorium and you go out there, it'll tend to diminish because you'll get back into carnal things and you won't be listening with your heart. If God has spoken to you today, you need to respond right now. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Last opportunity. I bet you somebody's sitting there thinking, well, I need to do this and I'm going to receive your prayer, but I'm not going to stand because I don't, what would people think of me? I tell you what, that's not making much of a stand if you're worried about what people would think. These are Christian people that are loving for you, loving you and praying for you. And man, we'll rejoice with you. If you can't stand in a Christian gathering, you'll never be able to stand against your neighbors or your relatives or somebody who mocks you and makes fun of you. You're going to have to do something. I want you to stand while everybody's head is up and their eyes are open. Stand. If you're going to make a commitment, do it. You can't bootleg this prayer. I'm going to pray this won't work unless you're standing. Well, there's a bunch of people standing after that. See, you were going to bootleg this prayer, weren't you? Doesn't work. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for all of these people. And Father, we are just making, we're responding to what I believe you spoke to my heart. Father, these are people who already have more direction than what they're acting on. For whatever reason, circumstances or people or finances or something has stopped them from doing what you've told them to do. And we just publicly stand to say, that, Father, we're sorry. We repent of this. We turn from letting all of these negative things hold us back. And Father, with you as our witness, we just make a commitment right now to follow through and do what you have placed on our heart, whatever it is. And we don't know how to do it. We don't know all of the things to do, but Father, we just make the decision. We start in this direction. We are crossing over and we are not gonna retreat from this. We will do what you have told us to do. We ask you now for wisdom, Father, to show us things, send people across our path to help make this come to pass. Touch the hearts of the people that oppose us. Do whatever, but we are going to do this and we draw on your power and we make this commitment before you and before our brothers and sisters in this place that we will do what you called us to do. And Father, we thank you for it. I believe that right now in the spiritual realm that demonic things are broken, that hindrances are broken and removed right now, that the angels of God are loose, that your supply is on the way there to where you told them to be. Father, thank you that there are going to be miraculous results come out of this. 
And Father, we thank you for it. We agree and receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all agree? Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Let me give an invitation again this morning that if there's anybody here who isn't born again, you don't know Jesus personally, I can guarantee you, you need to be born again. That is more important than anything you could experience in this life. You need your sins forgiven and you need to have a new spirit placed on the inside of you. That is number one and that is for every person. And then once you get born again, you also need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. You know, there's people that come to my meetings and they don't expect me to be one of these Pentecostals that speaks in tongues because I don't scream and shout and spit the way that they're used to saying Pentecostals. And so you may have come to this meeting under false pretenses thinking this is just one of those evangelical meetings. But man, I am filled with Holy Ghost wall to wall on the inside. I speak in tongues and I'm telling you, you absolutely positively need this gift of speaking in tongues. It doesn't make God love you more, but it'll make you love God more. Man, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's given unto us. The Holy Spirit just will make you fall in love with Jesus. And then this gift of speaking in tongues is so powerful. I wish I had more time to talk about it. But if you don't have that, you need it. Is there anybody here and say, I need one or both of those. I either need to be born again and or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues. Anybody like that? If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Here's people over here. Praise God. Anybody else? Here's some in the back. Anyone else? We had a bunch of people. I think it was 60-something people last night. But praise God, we don't want to miss an opportunity to get somebody born again or baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive. So come forward right now and let us minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. speaking tongues. I did for three years. I did because I was taught that speaking in tongues was of the devil, but man, I was filled with the power of God. I had the Holy Spirit, but when I started speaking in tongues, it's like I got baptized in the Holy Ghost all over again. It is that important. It just, it's like the valve that you use to open up and just let it flow out. It's like a switch that you flip that switch when you start speaking in tongues. It just starts the motor. It starts the power of God on the inside. It is powerful. You need this gift of speaking in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you ought to be down here and let us pray with you and help you to receive. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. This is awesome. Amen. Before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues, the Bible says you have to receive Jesus, who is the one who gives 
this gift of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. You must have Jesus as your personal Savior. Is there anybody here who's never done that and you want to do that and make sure? Anybody? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I need to pray with you first about being born again. Anybody? Here's one down here. Anybody else? Here's another one. Are you sure? You know, I have so many people, they just think that, well, I'm a good person and I think I'll be saved. That's not, there's going to, hell is going to be full of good, moral, church going people. Salvation isn't being good. It's not being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic. It's about having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, if you have never made him your Lord, you've got to be born again. And you need to be sure. The Bible says that when you're born again, you have a witness in yourself that you have passed from death unto life. If you don't know that you're saved for sure, if you're just hoping so, you ought to pray and get that witness and know for sure that you've passed from death unto life. Anybody else? Everybody else is sure. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. Amen. All right, we're going to pray with these two ladies first. And I'm going to say the words that you need to say based on Romans 10, 9. It says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's more than just mouthing the words. You got to mean it from your heart. But if you're willing to make Jesus your Lord and receive salvation as a gift, you can be born again right now and become a brand new person. Is that a good deal? You ready to do that? I'd like you to repeat a prayer after me. And I want everybody to say this so that they won't sound, uh, feel like we're just listening to them. And if you will say these words and mean it in your heart, you're going to be changed right now and become a brand new person. Isn't that awesome? Let's everybody say this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? I believe you just became brand new people. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So now everyone down here has made Jesus your Lord. And according to scripture, it says twice, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 6, that once you become born again, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So this means that in your spirit, you are a temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. This is what he created you for. So that means that this is God's will for your life. He wouldn't deny you the Holy Spirit. Some people teach that you have to have all sin out of your life, that you have to be holy to receive the Holy Spirit, but you can't get holy without the Holy Spirit. Man, if you got problems, if you got sin in your life, you're the very person God wants to fill with his Holy Spirit so he can give you power to start living a godly life. So don't let any sense of unworthiness or something keep you from thinking that God's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All you got to do is ask. You just got to open up the doors of this temple and welcome him in. And he is going to come flooding in. He has been waiting on this opportunity. You don't have to beg. 
We're just going to ask one time, and then I want our prayer ministers to come up here and stand behind you, and they're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that when the apostles laid hands on people, the Holy Spirit came upon them. So you're going to ask, then they're going to lay hands on you and release the power of God into your life. And then I want you to quit asking and start thanking him by faith, regardless of what it feels like. We aren't asking for a feeling. This is something that's happening in the spirit realm, not in just the physical realm. I want you to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit out loud, talking and thanking him. And then at that time, after they lay hands on you and you start thanking God, those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God in our heavenly language that God gave us. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you just to join in with us and start speaking in tongues. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do you do? Uh, Well, I've got a whole book I'm going to give you that will explain this in more detail. But here's the number one thing that people stumble on. They think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to talk in tongues. That's not how it happens. It's just like I preached today. I believe that God spoke through me, but it was me that spoke. That's why it came out with my personality and with my sense of humor and stuff. It was me that thought of the words. If I would have just said, oh God, speak through me and then open my mouth and wait on God to make it talk, it wouldn't have happened. That's not how God speaks through a minister. That's not how speaking in tongues is. He doesn't take your mouth and make you talk. He doesn't control you. He inspires you, but you have to take a step of faith and speak. So the number one thing that hinders people is they're just waiting on God to make them, force them to talk. That's not how it is. You have to speak by faith. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but your tongue is going to be unique to you. You can't just repeat after another person, but you got to make a sound. You got to do something. So it'll get you started. And once you start and it comes out different, don't quit. Just keep going. Amen. And it'll sound strange to you. And you'll think this doesn't make a lick of sense, but you know what? It's, it's powerful. And this book will explain it in more detail. And I promise you, this will be a powerful, powerful, life-changing experience for you. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. Everybody ready? Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for these two ladies who were born again. And we believe that in their heart, they are now brand new creatures that never existed before. That everything is changed on the inside of them. Thank you that all of these down here are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we just open up the doors of our temple and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our life. We want your power. We want your faith, your ability. We want this gift of speaking in tongues. And we welcome you. We give you an invitation to come into these temples right now and just dwell with us forever. And we lay hands on you now in the name of Jesus and we release this power of the Holy Spirit. We loose this anointing to flow into every single life right now. And Father, we thank you that it's true that the Holy Spirit is coming within them and empowering them. That it's no longer them, but it's Christ living in them. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to begin to thank God. Let's put your hands up like this. Like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you lift your hands to say, I yield, I surrender. And just start thanking God. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power living in me. Thank you that I am receiving supernatural power flowing in my life right now in the name of Jesus. Just thank him for it. Those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's begin to worship the Lord and speak in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, you speak with us. Quit thanking him in English and now go to thanking him in tongues. You're bypassing your brain. You no longer are speaking with any of the doubt and the unbelief and the confusion that you had in your natural mind and personality. Now you are speaking out of your born again spirit and you're releasing the power of God. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. Amen. You got to talk. You got to start making sounds that you don't know what they are. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship the Lord. Don't worry about what you sound like. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to God out of your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray in tongues right now. Amen. Your mom prays in tongues. She can help you. You just keep doing that. I believe that you receive the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, lots of these are praying in tongues. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a moment. You know, whether you spoke in tongues right now or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit because he promised that he would. I believe that you do have the Holy Spirit. When I first asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, it took me three and a half years before I spoke in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist and I was taught that it was of the devil and I was afraid and I just wasn't cooperating. But I have written down in a book all of the problems that I had. I don't think anybody ever had more problems speaking in tongues than I did. And I've written all of this in a book And it will answer your questions. Even if you didn't speak in tongues, you have that ability now and you can speak in tongues. You just need to understand, get some questions answered. And I'd like to give this book to every person. This book will explain what being born again is too. It'll explain to you what's happening. You've got to understand what's happening in order to get the full benefit of it. So I want to give this book to every person. It's a gift. And uh, it'll really, really help you. We want you to get the maximum benefit from what happened. This could be the most important thing that's happened to you since you got born again. It's that important. So if you would, I'd like you to just go with Robert right here. He's the man in the aisle with his Bible up. And he's going to give you a free book. There's people there that will pray with you and help you if you have any questions. We just want to be a blessing to you any way that we can. Let's praise God for all of these. Isn't this great? Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Again, these are our prayer ministers down here. These are all people who are 
either graduates or students or partners that have gone through a special training session with Ashley and Carly. And they're people that know how to pray in faith and not speak to God about your problem, but talk to your problem about God. These are people that'll help you. So if anybody in here would like prayer this morning, I encourage you to come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers just agree with you. And we're going to believe God for a miracle in your life. If you want prayer, come forward right now and let us agree with you. The rest of you, I'm going to dismiss you this morning. Remember that we have a service at 7 tonight and then in the morning at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. at 6 instead of 7. Also, let me remind you that we have CDs and DVDs of the two services that we've already had. They're already duplicated. They're available out here right now. And uh, so please get those. These are the kind of messages that you need to hear more than once. Plus, it's really good to share it with other people. So please take advantage of that and all the other materials that we have. God bless you. If you need prayer, come forward and let someone just pray with you right now. You're dismissed if you need to be. Praise the Lord.